Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I just wanted to come down here amongst you tonight, if that's all right. And I want to just want to talk to you just a little bit on this thought about let us, let us. Many of you know that in Hebrews, especially Hebrews the 11th chapter, we know it as the faith chapter, by faith this, by faith almost every verse in chapter 11 uh, talks about faith in the Lord. And, uh, and then this chapter 12 talks to us concerning a race that we are all running, uh, the, race of, uh, the race of faith, if you will. And, uh, and then it goes on later on in the chapter to about the discipline of God. Now, we don't, we don't like to talk about that a whole lot. We don't like to hear about the discipline of God. But sometimes, how many knows that God does discipline us? And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. And, but, it, but it's not in a bad way. It's in a good way that he disciplines us. We don't like the discipline many times. But, uh, but hopefully we'll learn something tonight concerning this discipline that, uh, that the Lord would have us, to, have us to learn. Look with me, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 12. We want to start with verse number 1. Verse number 1. The Bible says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us. Everybody say that with me. Let us. Look at your neighbor and say, let us. Look at your neighbor on the other side and say, let us. Let us. Let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance. One translation said, let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now here comes the discipline. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. For you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. And it says this, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who, cor- who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits, and live. For they indeed for a few days chastened us and seemed best to them. But he, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the, for the present but painful. Nevertheless afterward it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Verse 12 talks about renewing. And it says therefore strengthen your hands. That hang down in the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord. Now, I just want to talk to you a little bit tonight concerning this thought, let us. How many of you have ever, how many enjoys watching the Olympic Games or any kind of uh, racing or anything like that? I've always enjoyed watching those kind of things. And, 
And when you, when you look at the different uh, uh, competitions, whether it's running, whether it's acrobats, uh, whether it's walking that, that little narrow bar, you know, that then girls get up and, and then guys too and twist and turn, all that kind of stuff on. I'm amazed at many of the feats that, that is capable of the human body. Now, they're not capable of my body, but those, those individuals, they can do something that I can't do. They can twist and turn and bend, you know, in ways that I, it just amazes me. And it always, it always amazes me how, how these people have, have spent their entire life, have spent their entire childhood preparing for a single event that in some cases is over in just a minute. doesn't take very long, and they'll win. They'll win the gold, in other words. But they train their entire life in order to accomplish this feat. The amount of training is enormous. The amount of sacrifice is enormous. All for just a single goal, for the recognition, for receiving the gold medal. That's what they strive for, a gold medal, worldwide recognition. That you are the best in humanity in that particular field, whatever it is, the training event that you, that you went to. You're, you're amazing at that particular thing. Now here's the thing. Since you and I are striving for a more eternal reward, we are striving for a more important recognition by God. Are we, are you and I, are we willing to make the appropriate sacrifices and practice necessary for the discipline many times that, that it's going to take for us to obtain the prize? How many would agree with me that in order for us to get to heaven, we're going to have to discipline ourselves? We're going to have to train ourselves. We're going to have to do some things that we may not want to do. We're going to have to go into areas and be uh, go in certain places maybe that, that we usually are not comfortable with all because we're training for the prize, because God has sent us into those areas. And we're striving for this. And this is what Paul, or whoever wrote the Hebrews, some say Paul, some say Barnabas, and I'm really not unsure about this, but whoever wrote this, this is the point that he makes in this particular passage, that you and I, we have a more important prize than the gold medal. We have a more important prize than the silver medal or the bronze or any recognition like that. And so we have to understand that we've got to take serious our walk for the Lord. It's not something we can be, uh, we can, that we can just do in a flippant manner. We've got to take seriously our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us that we've got to be prepared. We've got to examine, in other words. We've got to discipline our lives in, a, in the appropriate manner in order to get to where we're going. And if you and I are to be a disciple of Christ, if we're going to have salvation in our heart, we've got to understand that salvation is not just a momentary experience at the altar. It's not just a moment where we come down to the altar and we shed a few little tears and everything is okay and we don't have to do that all over again. No, it's a relationship that we begin, right? And so when we give our heart to the Lord, we begin this phenomenal, magnificent relationship with the Father that we grow, Brother Roger, every day in our life. Matter of fact, the Scripture says that it should be refreshing to us. It's new day by day. It should be a new thing. Every morning that we get up should be a refreshing time with the Father. But in order for that to be that way, we have to discipline ourselves. Because how many knows that this world is out to get you? The world is out to destroy you. The world is out to kill you. The world is out to make, uh, you know, just to wreak havoc in your life. But you are mightier than the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? Greater is he. But I've got to be disciplined. And so we want to talk about this self-discipline tonight. When you look in verse number 1 
In verse number three, uh, to verse number three, the Bible talks about we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And the scripture says we, they want us to lay aside every weight that so easily besets us, that so easily ensnares us, that stops us from reaching our goal, in other words, right? Now, nobody runs the race with baggage on. You're not going to win the race if you have a bunch of baggage that's attached to you. They, they, they are not spectators of us, these, these great cloud of witnesses, but, but they are examples. It's just a little bit what we talked about this morning, about those folks that went on ahead of us, that laid the trail, that paved the trail before us, and we're to look to them, we're to pick up the torch that they laid left for us to carry so that we can lead other people to Jesus Christ as well. What does that mean? It means for us to be as an encouragement to us. It's not meant to be a downer to us. It meant to be an encouragement. Examples, the witnesses that it's talking about, that we also can be faithful, that we also can be fervent in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. I understand things happen. I understand we go through some stuff, but our relationship with the Lord should never be hindered by the stuff that we go through. Amen. It should never be hindered by the stuff that we go through. Yes, we get down. Yes, we get the mully grubs at times. But my faith in the Lord should always be strong. And there's a way to look at this thing. Instead of me looking at it as a downer thing. Instead of me looking at it as God's just doing this bad stuff to me. No, God's not doing bad stuff for you. He's allowing you to go through some stuff so you can be grounded in your faith. So you can be grounded so that when the storm comes, you're not going to be knocked over by the storm. Amen. Because how many knows the storms will come? The winds will come the, and, and the waves will, will beat against your house. So the Lord is grounding us if we discipline ourselves in him. And we can look at both in the Old Testament and New Testament alike. We can find all kinds of examples of faith. And it's almost as if the writer here has in mind the champions mentioned in chapter 11 and, and, and from chapter 12 about, about the faith chapter that I was talking about. And just like the Olympics that they're standing before us, they're, they're standing and cheering us on with their medals and, and with their wreaths and their spurring us on to dream of winning too and we have to strive to meet the example that they set forth for us. I don't know if you like to think about it this way but I like to think about it this way. Of those people that I know that's already died in the faith they're up there cheering me on. They're up there spurring me on. Hey brother Glenn you can make it. Hey Tina you can make it. Hey Greg you can make it. Hey Terry you're going to be able to make it. Hey Pamela you're going to be able to make it. Hey, Sister Babies, you're going to be able to make it. We've got sons and daughters and mamas and daddies and other loved ones from this church that we know about that's, that's already died and gone, gone on with the Lord. But I want to tell you something. We've got a great reward awaiting us when we get there. What a glad reunion day that's going to be. And they're spurring us along saying, I know it gets tough at times, and I know you get down at times, but let me tell you, you can make it. Hallelujah. Give him praise. We can make it. So let us, let us. Let us lay aside all those weights. Let us get rid of all that stuff that's keeping us down. Let us throw off everything that hinders us. Those of us who wish to win the race, we've got to get rid of everything that would slow us down. We've got to get rid of everything, come on, that's weighing us down. It doesn't matter what time you, you give your heart to the Lord. Some of you give your heart to the Lord 15 and 20 and 30 and 50 and 60 years ago. Some of you may just recently give your heart to the Lord. But how many knows we're going to cross the finish line at the same time? Oh, yeah. We're going to cross at the same time. Now, when you run in an earthly race, you may be number one. You may be number two. You may be number three. You may be number 15. You may be number 20. Whatever. But in this spiritual race, we're going to cross at the same time. It doesn't matter when we started, though. Amen.
Hallelujah. Thank God for that. But we've got to get rid of all the stuff. Everybody say stuff. That's weighing us down. Because stuff will entangle us. Stuff will get in our way. Stuff of this world will cause us not to see clearly. Stuff of this world will cause us not to, not to know a direction, Brother Glenn, that we need to go. Stuff of this world will not be able to see where the path that God has laid out for us, Brother Adam. Stuff of this world will cause our eyes to be blinded and we will not see the goal in front of us. Amen. So we've got to lay aside all that stuff. And in order to do that, that takes self-discipline. It takes self-discipline. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility before God to cast aside those things that become extra baggage. Self-discipline is needed to even get started at times. Sometimes, you know, folks, have got, it starts well, but they finish lousy, right? But there's other times that when you start, you can't even get started because of all the stuff. I don't want to let go of this. I want to hold on to this. I don't want to let go of this. Well, you've got to let go of some stuff. Because it's going to do nothing but get in your way in your relationship with the Lord. The Bible talks about that they're entanglements. They're, they're the sin that so easily besets us. It tangles us. This is the sin of no discipline. When you have all those entanglements in your life, you have no discipline in your life. No discipline in your life. Now, the easiest way for me to explain this is simply this. I'll just use me. If I intend to lose weight, there's some things I've got to let go. Got to let go of the chicken. Got to let go of the cake. Got to let go of the pies. Got to let go of some of that stuff. If I'm going to lose, I've got to, I've got to discipline myself. Come on. But in the spiritual sense, if I want the Lord to be in charge of my life, if I want the Lord to be Lord of my life, I've got to let go of some stuff of the world that seems to tie me down. The enemy would want to stop me from praying. The enemy would want to stop me from studying. The enemy wants to stop me from reading his word. Hello. Because of all the other stuff that comes, that comes with this world. Amen. Some that's my own fault, some that's not my own fault. But the enemy wants to come and destroy me and mess me up with those kind of things. So the discipline in my life has to be as such that I've got to lay aside all of those things that so easily, you understand what the Bible says? It easily ensnares us. It easily ensnares us. Have you ever noticed that when the hard things of the enemy comes, some, for, for you that's Christians, it's not hard for you to say, oh, devil, don't bother me with that. I'm just going to move on and you'll move on. Because you, you readily know what it is. But those easy things, those easy things that come along the way that you may not be unsure of. Well, is it okay to do this? Because there's sort of a, a gray area in the scriptures. Is it all right for this? Or, or is it all right for that? Or, or you think the Lord will be okay? Or, or, or settle? No, you've got to let some of those things go. Let your conscience be your guide many times. Let the gut, let, the temp, let that temptation that comes, let, let that gut answer some of those. I promise you, it'll talk to you. It'll speak to you if you'll just listen to it. And so we've got we've to lay aside all of that sin in our life. And without this, there simply cannot be success in the race. There can't be success in a race. There has yet to be a world champion. I've never seen a world champion that has been produced as a world champion that has not practiced. Every world champion has to practice. And as I said earlier, sometimes they go through a life long practice 
discipline, all of those things in order to win that one competition. Too much of the time, we wait around for something spiritual to happen in our lives. We should be preparing always for those spiritual things to take place. It's not that the young people or Sister Michelle or whoever can get up here and spur me along and sing a song that really going to get me going. I mean, it's not that we've got to wait on those particular things. It's not that we need to wait on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night to come to get our, to get our praise on. Do you understand that every day of the week you ought to be able to praise God. Amen. Every day of the week you have a privilege to praise God. Every day of the week you have an opportunity and an opportunity to give God glory, give Him praise. As I said this morning, yesterday I was out in the shop all by myself just sweeping up dirt and all of a sudden God shows up. I had a choice to make right then. I could either stop what I was doing, give Him praise, or I could continue sweeping. What do you think I did? Give Him praise. Why? Because those are special moments. Those are wonderful moments when God shows up. And you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced those things before. But when that opportunity comes, let that self-discipline in you say, rise up and say, hey, give God his due, give God his honor, give God his praise at that moment. Amen. Amen. How many knows that a runner does not wait for the goal line to come? He goes to the goal line. He goes, he runs to the goal line. He goes to the goal line. Look at verse number 2. The Bible says here, I want to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. What is that talking about? We've got to fix our eyes on him. My eyes has got to be on Jesus. This is where our focus needs to be. Good runners, if you're a good runner, you're never going to look around to see who's coming up beside of you. Oh, there's a tendency to do that. We want to, we want to make sure that if they're far enough back, you know. I've run track before that. I've done that before. I looked around and said, well, I need to run a little harder I don't, or I don't need to run a little harder. But a good runner is always going to be focused on the goal. He's always going to be focused on the prize. He's always going to be focused on the win. You've got to win. You've got to win. You've got to win. Good runners never look around to those that are running beside of him because it'll distract them. It'll be that easily sin that so easily ensnares or entangles them. And so many times we as Christians today, we do this. We, we make decisions to drop out of this. And we make decisions to drop out of that based upon what somebody else is saying or somebody else is doing. Don't do that, church. Let your focus be upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what everybody else is saying. My relationship with the Lord should not be affected by what somebody else is saying. Amen. 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 Keep your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times, a runner will keep a single focus on a goal line. Whatever that focus may be, he just focuses on it. And what that does, that causes him not to get his eyes off, off 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 the path that he's running. Off the lane that he's running in. Keep his eyes on the go. And unlike the Olympics, running the race in spiritual terms is simply, we don't don't run the race in spiritual terms to try to be the first, to try to be the best. Uh Uh-uh. We want to bring everybody along with us that we can because we're going to finish at the same time. But our goal is simply to be faithful. Our goal is simply to finish the race. Jesus Christ says there's rewards awaiting you. There's rewards awaiting us. And in order for me to obtain the award that's awaiting me, I've got to finish the race. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be sad? Wouldn't it be sad if, if, if we've been serving God for 30 and 40 years, Sister Langley, at the, very, at the very end we give up and Jesus comes. And all that time we've, we've faithfully dedicated ourselves, but, but for some reason we just give up. 
And we're not serving the Lord faithfully like we used to. We're not serving the Lord like, you know, we don't have that desire, that zeal like we used to. Amen. But we've got to finish the race. We've got to finish the race. Jesus becomes the perfect example. That's who we've got to look to. He's the perfect example for us to follow. Why? Because he followed the course with joy. Did he have tough times? Oh, yeah, he had some tough times. Did he go through some stuff? Yeah, he went through some stuff. I'm talking about Jesus. He went through some stuff. But he endured the cross with joy, even though it included pain, even though it included suffering, because he understood what the goal was. What was the goal, Pastor? The goal was that Brother Glenn could be sitting here worshiping him tonight. That Lisa could be sitting here worshiping him tonight. That Adam could be sitting here worshiping. Why, why was that the goal? Because he looked down through time. And he said, I've got to, I've got to provide an access. I've got to, I've got to, I, I, there's somebody's got to go and, I, and it's going to be me. I've got to go to the cross. I've got to shed my blood. I've got to give my life so that somebody else can have life. But not only just life, but have it, what? More abundantly. More abundantly. Amen. He followed the course with joy. It's amazing. As we said earlier about how much, how much work the Olympics and, and Olympians go through for just a single medal, only, only for a few minutes. But it took a lifetime of self-discipline to get there. Scott Hamilton, many of you know Scott Hamilton, an Olympic skater. He made, he made this statement after he, he won a gold medal. He said this. He said, it was a moment to be shared. And someone asked him, he said, why, why was you looking at that medal so intently? Why were you looking at it like you was? And Scott said, what I was doing, he said, I was looking at 16 years of my life. Of 16 years of my life. And so we're to consider the rewards that, that so far outstrip the sacrifices. And they are sacrifices that we have to make. They're sacrifices sometimes so that we do not become weary and lose heart. Listen, we live in a day and time. Listen to me, church. We live in a day and time where many are losing heart. We live in a day and time where many are getting weary. We're living in a day and time where they're falling out by the, by the, by the hundreds. Pastors, leaders, teachers of, 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 of children. They're fought because they're giving up. How many knows we can't give up? We cannot give up. We cannot give up. In all honesty, in all honesty, and if, you, if you're honest with yourself, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, every one of us has had times of feeling like we want to quit, Right? Every one of us has times that we feel like we're going to quit. It's going to be tough to live a life of faith in a world that scoffs at it many times. Many runners have, have continued to compete with torn ligaments and injuries very much in pain. But knowing that the reward will be worth it all in the end. It'll be worth it after all. Hallelujah. It'll be worth it after all. What you're going through, the, the trials that you're having to endure, it'll be worth it after all. When you hear Jesus Christ say, well done. Now, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over just little things. But come on in. I'm going to make you a ruler over many things. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. And so we've got, to, we've got to continue in pain many times. We've got to continue in our affliction many times. And if we quit every time we hurt, we will never finish the course. We can't quit. Look to your neighbor and say, don't quit. Don't quit. Hallelujah. You've got to keep focused. You've got to keep faithful. Look at, look at this discipline here. Look at verse number 4 real quick. The Bible says, You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. How many have ever died for your faith? You see your hands. Apparently not. You're sitting here. You've not shed blood for your faith yet. How many have ever felt like you've failed, though, 
at times in your life. Yeah, every one of us has. How many knows this, that a good coach many times will always use failure and pain to teach an athlete? A good coach will use those failures in their life to teach him something. If you'll listen, she'll listen. A coach will, will use those failures and that pain of teaching the athlete. And how many knows that God at times brings discipline to our lives when we fail to use self-discipline? When you think back in the scriptures in the New Testament, you think about old brother Peter and old Judas. Peter failed God, Jesus, miserably. He denied him three times. You know Peter. You know he, He's the one that was mouthy. Lord, I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do this. Oh, yeah, you're going to fail me three times. Oh, no, it's not going to be me. But he did. And the Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. But one thing that Peter did that Judas didn't do, he had enough sense to go back and repent. And God used discipline in his life. You remember he goes up to Peter and said, Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Now, you've got to understand that this was after the resurrection of Christ. And Peter's still understanding, Brother Adam, just a few days ago what he had already done. And you know from a human standpoint, he felt bad. I wouldn't have felt good. He felt bad. And Peter, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, feed my sheep. Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. You know I love Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. God used discipline on Peter to teach him some things. But Judas failed Jesus as well. But he did not go back and repent. He quit. He quit. Now, nobody likes to talk on the subject of, of discipline. It's not a pleasant thing to talk about. There's not, a very, there's, not a, there's not a lot of amens and glory hallelujahs when you talk about discipline. But even when God does bring discipline in our lives, it is never for retribution. Understand that. It's never for retribution, but it's always redemptive in its focus. God's always trying to redeem you. He's always trying to make you. He's always trying to bring you back. He's always trying to, 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 as a potter would, the piece of clay of molding you and shaping you the way that he wants you to be. And the point of discipline is what? It's love. The point of discipline is love. A love that cares too much to let somebody learn self-destructive behaviors. That's why you parents, when your children is growing up, you discipline them. That's why many times you went and got out the belt. That's why many times you went and, and got the switch. That's why daddy told me, some, son, go out in the yard and get a switch. Well, I didn't want to go get no switch. Who wants to go get a switch and get switched? You know, the least you could do is go get the switch if you're going to switch me. Why are you making me go get the switch? How many's ever done that before? Yeah. You, you young people, if you've never went out to get a switch before, you don't know what you're missing. Matter of fact, you need to go home and tell your daddy, daddy, tell me to go get a switch. It'd be good for you. I don't care how old you are. Just go tell them. Tell me to go get a switch and switch me, Daddy. (laughs) Discipline. Why did they do that? Because they loved me. Now, I didn't understand that at the time. Because, Dad, we said stuff like this. Well, it's hurting me more than it's hurting you. Well, no, it's not. I'm the one at the end of the switch. But I understand what he means now. Understand those things that he means. And with our children, as, as Adam and Abby was growing up, you know, we had to discipline them. Why? Because I did not want them to come up with a self-destructive pattern. And that's the problem that we're having today. We've got too many moms and dads that wants to be buddies with their children instead of parents. Hallelujah. Buddies with and you've got to be a parent. They don't need a friend. They need a parent. They need somebody to stand up and say, you're not going to do this. You're not going to go this way. You're not going to make that decision. 
Somebody was telling me just the other day that they got a nine-year-old, somebody, a nine-year-old child, that they was allowing that nine-year-old child to dictate if they're going to go to church or not. Hmm. Nine years old. If I was at nine years old and I went to my mom and daddy, and I'd tell them, hey, I ain't going to church today. I just don't feel like it. I stayed up too too much last night playing video games. Do you think that he would care? Mm -mm. He ain't going to care. He ain't going to care. He ain't going to care. Why? Because they did not want to allow self-destructive patterns to, to be created in my life. And when you look at that, guys, it's the same thing with, with you and I as Christians. Eh? And too many Christians fail to learn, and we're doomed to keep repeating the same mistakes, if we're not careful, over and over and over again, simply because we choose not to have a lack of discipline in our life. We've got to have discipline in our life. We've got to move closer to it. We've got to move on it quicker many times. We can't just stay despondent many times. We, we, we can't just sit idly by and let whatever comes, come. Uh-uh. Because the enemy will come. He'll, he'll try to come into your life and break you down. And the Lord is trying to teach us something here. He's trying to teach us. D.L. Moody said this. When you look at that word punish, it, it literally means to whip. <laughs> to whip. And D.L. Moody said this, he said, when I was a boy, mom and daddy used to send me outdoors to get a switch, as we was talking about a while ago, to spank me when I had to be punished. At first, I used to stand off far from the rod as far as I could. I've done that before. But he said, I soon found out that the whipping hurt me more that way. And so I chose, listen, don't miss it. I chose to get as near to my daddy and near to my mama as I could and found out that they could not strike me as hard. Fixing to help some of you. Because when the Lord tries to discipline us, we try to stand afar off. We want to alienate ourselves from everybody. We don't want nobody talking to us. We want to get away from the church. We want to get away from whoever that influences our life because we think it's going to help us and it's not helping us. But if we could listen to D.L. Moody, he said, if we can get closer to the Father. Oh, Hallelujah. We'll find out that his strikes is not nearly as hard. <laughs> we'll find out that, that he just loves us. You know one of the things I found out when I was growing up, Sister Mavis, that, that when dad and mom disciplined me, I always, I always enjoyed, I didn't enjoy the discipline, but I always enjoyed the loving afterwards. I always enjoyed the embrace, just let it, them letting me know, hey, I love you. Just want to let you know. Because it let me know that even though they whip me, even though they spank me, even though they switch me, their love for me never, never changed. It never changed. D.L. Moody says, And when God chastens us, let us kiss the rod and draw as near to him as we can. Let us kiss the rod and draw near to him as we can. Why, why is that? So we can be found faithful. So we will not develop any self-destructive patterns in our life. What did that do to you, Pastor? It caused me to have a, an understanding, some common sense, in other words. There's some things I'm going to do. There's some things I'm not going to do. doesn't matter what you say. Hello? doesn't matter what the world says. There's just, they're just some things I'm just not going to do. Lead me to this and lead me to that and lead me to that. Well, you, you, so, you, so, you blessed Karen and I the other, the other few weeks ago by sending us on a cruise. I don't know if I've said this lately, but when we was on that cruise, and many of you have been on a cruise, so you know what I'm talking about. The, the moment that you get on that cruise, I mean the moment that you walk on the boat, they begin asking you, do you want a drink? 
Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want this? Do you want this alcohol? Do you want? Do you want to take this this shot? I mean, if I was asked one time, we was asked. I don't know how many times. And for those five days, every day, every day, people come by with alcohol. Alcohol. Well, you say, well, Pastor, is alcohol bad? Well, it, yeah, it is. It's bad for you. You don't need to do it. Let the alcohol go. It'll be a destructive pattern in your life if you're not careful. Well, can you tell me and show me in Scripture that it's going to keep me from heaven? Well. No, not really. You don't need to be drunk. I can show you that. But I can tell you this. I've known too many people that allowed alcohol to mess up their relationship with the Father. Come on. Jesus says, and, and no, Jesus didn't say it. I'm saying it. Stay away from it. But I'm sure Jesus is okay with it. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. I've been lost where I'm going now. Stay away from it. So those self-destructive patterns will be created in our life if we're not careful. We've got to get away from that. But, but I know where I was going. On the boat. They ask us over and over and over again. I've got to get on the boat again. Over and over. But, but because of my raising, because of what I believe to be true, it didn't bother me, they're asking. It didn't bother me. Now somebody else, it may have bothered, that, was, that had a problem with alcohol. I didn't have a problem with it. And for me to say, no, I don't want nothing. It didn't bother me. You understand what I'm saying? So there's some things in our life it's not going to hinder. We're not going to be bothered. But the enemy knows those areas in our life, Brother Johnny, that we're weak. And he'll use those moments to come in. It could be, it could be tobacco. It could, it could be pornography. It could be the internet that, that is our temptation. It could be a lot of other things. It could be, it could be anger issues that, that, that we have that we're trying, to, we're trying to get a hold of. See, the enemy knows. He knows where we are. And that's where the self-discipline has to come in. But understand, when God disciplines us, it's never about retribution. It's always redemptive in nature. It's always redemptive. And the last thing is this. We've got to have our spiritual life renewed. It has to be renewed. It has to be renewed. Look with me at verse number 12 real quick. Verse number 12 says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Strengthen the hands that hang down the feeble knees. I mean, the writer here, he, he goes right back to the training of an athlete. He gives us this image here and encourages us to strengthen the feeble arms. Strengthen the feeble hands. Strengthen those weak knees, in other words. How many has ever been spiritually weak before? Yeah. In other words, we've got to deal with the weak areas in our life. We've got to deal with those things. And when we fail to do this, it will cause us to stumble in the race. And that will lead us to serious injury if we're not careful. And also, when, when we're injured, it may cause others to stumble that are running near us. What are you talking about, Pastor? You've heard me say this before. When I was young and running, running track, they, they put me in running, running the hurdles. Now, I know that's crazy in itself, as short as I am. But they put me running the hurdles. I was actually pretty good. But one particular day, we was running on this course, and Kurt knows what I'm talking. I can't remember the school, but it had that little fine rock on the on the on the track, and 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 one of them hurdles jumped up and got my foot. I was in the lead, but it jumped up and tripped me. That hurdle did, and I fell, and I skint my knees from from my knees down to my ankles. But because of the determination, everybody passed me, and I got back up, and I ended up getting second or third. I can't remember, but you know, ended up did not too bad. But if we're not careful, when the enemy trips us up, 
We, and especially if you're running hurdles. Have you ever watched that before? Those, especially those guys that's, and ladies that's running hurdles. When one of them trips, they'll, they'll run over to the other lane and somebody else will trip. And they'll have two or three people to be damaged and fall. And it will cause others to stumble if we're not careful spiritually when we fall. How do, how do we do that? Because they've looked to you for their faith. They've looked to you for their strength. They look, I want to be, I want to be just like that person. I want to be just like they are because, boy, I see a strength in them that I don't have and, and I want to strive to be like them. There's nothing bad and wrong with that. But when you fall, when you fall and mess up, it causes others to stumble as well. The church world over the years has been damaged greatly by great evangelists, great leaders of our day that has stumbled, that has failed. And it's caused thousands upon thousands of people to lose their faith. Now, right or wrong, however you want to look at it, they've, they've put their faith in, in men and women, Brother Adam, that they shouldn't have in the first place. They should have put it in the Lord Jesus Christ, number one. Don't you allow any man or woman, when they fall, to mess your relationship up with the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Always trust in Him. Trust in Him. We've witnessed this. We've saw it happen. Others have stumbled over the example and, 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 and just kept some from winning the race. Can I tell you that the world is watching us today? The world is watching us, and so we have to run strong. And in, other, and in order for others to run well, we've got to run well as well. We've got to let the, we've got to let the Lord, and the Lord has to let us know and let other people that, that we're standing beside and running with, hey, we can make it. We can make it. It's not just the responsibility of well-known Christians to run well for the society. Jesus came and he died for you as well as, as that great evangelist. And thank God for great evangelists. Thank God for great singers. But can I tell you, he died for you too. He shed his blood for you as well. And so we almost run well. We've got to run well so the world will see. We've got to see that we are real. We're real. I don't know how it makes you feel, but when I watch sometimes late night talk show hosts, and they poke fun of Christianity... And they poke fun of Jesus Christ. It, they something, it, it, it does something to me. It aggravates me. It bothers me a little bit. Because they don't know what they're doing. That's why Jesus on the cross said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, there's a lot of Christians who are doing nothing. But there are no Christians who have nothing to do. Every one of us have something to do. Every one of us have something to do. You, you and I cannot afford for the world to see feeble Christians. We can't, we can't afford to let the world look upon us and say, is that what Christianity is all about? Because if that's what it's all about, then not sure if I want it anyway. No, we need to be strong. We need to let them know that the gospel that we were talking about this morning, that we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed of the gospel. Look at verse number 13 real quick. The Bible says, number 12 says, Therefore strengthen the hands and hang down feeble knees. Verse 13 says, And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. But rather be healed. The final verses here in this, in this chapter clinches the thought in verse 12 about, about our example in society and with the church. We are, to level, we, we are to make level paths for our feet so that the lame won't be disabled, but rather healed. So we just got through talking about it. The word for lame literally means those who waver back and forth. You know people in your life, or you, may, you know people that's, that's in and out of church, 
In other words, they're wavering back and forth. They're lame. Spiritually speaking, they're lame. They're wavering back and forth. A reference to those who are certain or uncertain and uncommitted about their walk with the Lord. Yours, mine, my path should be level so that our run is without obstacles that we could trip over. Mm -mm. Lord can prepare the path for us and he can make the path straight. He don't have to put any obstacles in the path. We can run that direction. This would only cause those who are uncertain or uncommitted to ignore the path that we're taking. We've got to run the race that is set before us. We bear a responsibility to keep a level path for our feet in our society. How do you do that, Pastor? By staying in contact and staying in focus with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't allow obstacles to come. Don't allow, allow obstacles to, to weigh you down. Don't allow obstacles to get in your, get in your way. I love it when people come and say, Brother Danny, I've been reading this particular scripture. And I've been reading, reading every morning, but I found, what I find out is, is every time I get up, I can't wait to get into the Word of God, and it seems like I'm growing every day. Well, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. You may not be enjoying Wednesday night uh, church, but I'm going to tell you, I'm loving it. If it helps nobody else, it's helping me. I might get saved. Hallelujah. I mean, it's, it's helping me. I love going through the book of Ephesians. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing. There's so many valuable understandings and truths to that book. Amen. We're not aliens anymore. We're not strangers. We're not foreigners anymore. I've been adopted into the family of Almighty God. Hallelujah. I'm on my way to heaven. How about you? I'm not on my way to hell. We're on our way to heaven. We're walking the path. We've got to walk the path. And the scripture says, let us lay aside. Then if that's the case, then let us lay aside every one of those things that so easily entangles us and ensnares us. It's amazing to me how how little things can trip us up. Oh, yeah, little things. How many's ever got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and your wife moved something? And you tripped on it. And you stumped your toe. It tripped you up. It caused pain. It caused hardship. Spiritually speaking, the enemy does the same thing to us. He changes things at times. And if, we're not, and if we don't like it many times, and the, and the Lord comes in and tries to, tries to grow us a little bit, and we don't like our, our tent cords stretched, and we don't, we don't like to get out there somewhere, we, Lord, we're all right right here. The water is smooth. The ship is sailing good. Don't create no rough waters for us. Do you understand that Jesus looked from the mountainside and saw his disciples out there, and they were in the storm of their life one night? He told, he's the one that told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. Do you, not under, do you not think that he knew the storm was coming? Yeah, he did. But he told those guys to get in the boat and get over there. And he looked, he, he went away to pray, but he looked and he saw that they were perishing because of their lack of faith. And he begins to walk on the water. And they think it's a ghost. And he says, don't be afraid, it's me, it's me. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. I said, Lord says, come. Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat. Now, I don't know if I would have done that, but he had enough faith to get out of the boat, and he began to walk on the water toward Jesus until the waves got to him, until the storms come, and he began to look at the storm over the master, and he began to sink. He began to sink. Now, I don't know how you look at this chapter or look at that verse, but I've been in water before. I've never walked on water. But when I get out of the boat or get out of something... It's, it's almost like an automatic thing. I sink. It's just, it don't take very long, Adam. I just, it's like a rock down to the bottom. But the Bible says that as he began to sink, which to me, it sort of means that he sunk a little bit at a time. 
Now, I don't know how that's possible, but he, he sunk a little bit of time. And he got his eyes off the master, and he even was able to reach up and grab the master's hand. And they picked him back up, and they both went back to the boat. So don't, don't fuss it, old brother Peter. At least he had some faith in his life. But you and I, we've got to understand that we cannot be wavering back and forth because it causes others to stumble as well. Our path needs to be level. Amen. Needs to be level. Needs to be level. In a cross-country championship, musicians, if you will, go, come on and, and get ready. Championship held in, in, in California. There was 128 runners. And out of these 128 runners, 123 of them missed a turn. Now, don't you listen. Don't pay no attention to these guys. Look at me. Look at me. 123 of these people missed a turn out of the 128. There was one guy by the name of Mike DeVecchio who stayed on the 10,000-meter course and began waving for his fellow runners to follow him. Follow me, follow me. He was able to convince only four, only four, to follow him. And somebody asked him and asked his competitors, thought of, of his mid-race decision not to follow. Why, why did you do that? Why, why did you not follow the crowd, Mike? Why didn't you just follow everybody else? 123 went that way. He talked only four into coming with him. Mike said, well, they thought it was funny when I went the right way. Mike said, I was one who ran correctly. And in the same way, our goal is to run correctly on the right way, to finish the race marked out for us by Jesus Christ. We can rejoice over those who have courage to follow us. The Bible says that narrow is the way that leads unto life. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Say, Pastor, do you really believe this heaven and hell thing? Oh, yes, I do. I believe there's going to be a heaven. We need to gain heaven. I believe there's going to be a hell. There is a hell, and we need to shun hell. We need to not have anything to do with it. Do you think that we're going to live somewhere forever? Oh, yes, I do. We're going to live somewhere forever. We're either going to be citizens of heaven that wonderful place that the scripture talks about that there's streets of gold and gates of pearl walls of jasper or we're going to be living in a place called hell where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth we've got to run we've got to ignore the laughter of the crowd we've got to ignore the scoffs of the crowd Mike was only able to bring four with him. He was going the right way, but he was only able to talk to four because everybody else thought they would just follow the rest of the crowd because the cra- apparently the crowd knew the direction to go. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, I fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. Now there is there in store for me a crown of righteousness. Why? Why is a crown of righteousness waiting? Because I fought a fight. Fought a good fight. I, I, I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Discipline. Whether it's self-discipline or God's discipline, that discipline is designed to help you and I to make our path level so we can lead society toward the cross of Jesus Christ. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Every one of us has to come by the way of the cross tonight. We have to go by the way of the cross. We are in a race. How are you running? How well are you doing with your running? 
See, because the pursuit of this, this maturity, this spiritual maturity and growth that we have, it requires effort from us at times. It requires a focus in our lives. Do you understand that it's possible to get saved and not grow? Yeah. But we've got to be like a good athlete. We've got to learn to be responsible for our own growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. No athlete succeeds without discipline and without focus. No believer will succeed without discipline and focused as well. How well are we running tonight? Are we focused on the goal? Are we focused on the prize? Or are we thinking, well, I don't know if this thing is real, Pastor. I don't know if this heaven thing is real. I, I mean, you, you've not proved it to me. You, let me tell you something, church. There's a lot of things I can't prove to you. I can't see air, but I can feel it at times. There's some things I just can't prove. But the, but the, but the scripture says you've got to lay aside every weight. Those things that we're trying to, we're trying to tangibly get in our, get in our hands. We're, okay, this is, this is, this is right. I'll, believe, I'll choose to believe this because I can touch this. I can feel this. No. I can't see faith, but I, but I know it works. Sometimes I can't even see grace and, and mercy in, in the lives. You know, sometimes I see it in the lives of people, but I know that it's there. I know God works in those areas. He's proven it too many times. I can't, I can't answer a lot of questions. But there's some things that I do know. And I do know this. The Lord even told us, don't get stumbled. Don't, 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 go, don't mess up by running the race. Run the race that is set before you. Run with patience. Run with endurance. Run with the prize in mind. The goal line is in mind. You've got to cross the finish line. You've got to cross the finish line. And let me encourage you with this. Even though you may not have a lot of answers to questions that you may have on this life, why don't you just go ahead and serve the Lord and when you get there, He'll tell you all the answers that you'll ever need to hear. If I'm right and there's a heaven and there's a hell, wouldn't you rather go to heaven than a hell? If you're right, then this is a wonderful life that we're still living anyway. Just enjoying one another and enjoying the benefits of just serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't miss the opportunities that's available to you. Let us lay aside the weights. Let us lay aside the sin. Young people, don't get so tied up with this world that's going to hold you back. Young adults, don't get so tied up with this world that's going to set you back instead of following the Master. Let us. Let us run. Let us run. Let us run with patience. Let us run with endurance. Let us run. Not get weary. Not to fall. Not to faint. But to run. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you tonight and we're so thankful for your blessing upon our life tonight. We're so thankful, oh God, that you've created in us a desire to run after the prize. And that prize is you. The prize is heaven. Lord, I lift up anybody that may be in the house tonight that is sort of wavering back and forth. They're lame, in a sense, spiritually speaking, that they're unsure about their walk with you. They, one day they're serving you, and the other day they're not serving you. I pray that some way and somehow, oh God, that you'd speak to our hearts and speak to our lives in a way that nobody else can. Holy Spirit, convict 
And help us, O oh God, discipline at times if you have to, to cause us, O oh God, to be redeemed, to be for you and not against you. We need your presence. We need your help. Each and every day is tough. But Lord, we know with you on our side, we can make it. We can make it. We can make it. As I get ready to sing, I want us just to come around these altars tonight. And I want us to surrender yet again to the Master. And just ask Him, Lord, help us. Help me every day. If you've got some sins, if you've got some things that's, that's ensnaring you, that's, that's entangling you up, give it to the Lord tonight. Surrender it to the Father tonight. In the name of Jesus, would you come and let's spend a little time together with the Master.